Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, and we really are in the outdoors today. We're out in the north woods of northern Minnesota. I'm liable to have a, a deer walk up and feed next to me at any time. We're watching the, the birds, uh, just a multitude of birds. It's just a great feeling. The sun is shining. Uh, I've been doing a lot of fishing up here. We'll talk a little bit about that as we get into it. Uh, a real diversity of fishing. Uh, we did. Uh, we were pulling lead core line, trolling crankbaits for walleyes, got a bunch of those one day, and then we were pitching soft plastics into the uh, into the weeds and weed edges for bass and got a lot of large bass. So we've had a really, really great trip. But we're going to talk more about what's going on in Colorado because we've got fishing going on. It's going to get better and better. We've got hunting season starting. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook if you want to know what's going on in this show. We're going to bring back trivia. Those answers will be on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and you can uh, see a lot of what I've been doing these last few days right there. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, Brad Peterson. He actually spent a lot of time up in this area. He used to work at Camp Fish for In Fishermen, which was a kind of a training grounds to get people into fishing. Uh, he's a guide. He's a waterfowl hunter and guide and a fishing guide, of course. And he has Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Yeah, this is kind of your stomping grounds from years past, isn't it? Uh, that it is. I tell you what, you talking about some of the uh, the walleye fishing and the bass fishing up there, you know, has me reminiscing of good times. But, uh, you know, as good as you've been having the fishing up that way, I tell you what, Colorado, the fishing's really been turning on the last few weeks with the, the little bit of touch of kind of fall starting to come our way. And I think it's just going to get better. I'll, let's start. You you keep track of those northeast reservoirs a lot, and they are, this time of the year, always subject to water level drawdowns for irrigation. Let's start by what what's the water level and water access like uh, up and down that eastern, northeastern portion of the state? Okay. Um, the one that is really struggling for water right now, and I would tell people to avoid if they're trying to launch a boat, is Jackson. Um, Jackson, they're, they're going to leave the courtesy boat dock in just for the holiday weekend, and then they're taking it out, and they're going to shut the boat ramp off. Um, I have not heard anything about Pruitt or Jumbo out there, but typically this time of year, both those lakes also are going to be having, you know, the possibility of, of struggling to get enough water to launch bigger boats. But the good news is, is, you know, Sterling still has good water, uh, Horse Tooth, Carter, Boyd, um, all those lakes there all have adequate water to get your boat out. So we still have the opportunity to get out and enjoy some of the uh, the boating while we still have the warm weather here in September. All right. And what have you heard about fishing? What kind of bites are you seeing out there? You know, the fishing bite I know last week, uh, Ronnie was on talking about the white bass boils and how exciting that is. And uh, that has definitely started at Boyd. That bite is, is taking off. It's that early morning, late evening bite. And following the shad, it's not every day right now. It's still kind of hit and miss a bit. But, man, if you find the days that they're on, it is, it's fantastic. And then 
when you start talking walleyes, we're starting to get into that, uh, you know, that fall pattern with spooning and jigging wrap fishing. I know there's a good bite going on out at Sterling doing that. Uh, Boyd is just kind of on the, the cusp of taking off. Um, Horse Tooth has some of that going on. And then down in the metro area, you know, the fall bite at Cherry Creek has been really good with the jigging wraps and the blade baits down that way. So if you're wanting to get out and fish either one of those, you know, kind of warm water fish, those are good opportunities. There's still bass up in the shallows if you can find weeds. The largemouth and smallmouth are up there, and I've been catching them pitching jigs and paddle tails. And then with the temperatures starting to cool down, the trout are getting a little more active. And so there is the opportunity for some shoreline trout fishing. I want to get back to the trout in a minute, but a lot of people, they hear us talk about jigging wraps and blade baits, and I know later on in the show Austin will bring those up too because you and him both like to fish like that. A lot of people don't understand, and we compare it to jigging spoons. Now, just to set the the background, as the water cools, the bait fish tend to group up. They get a little stressed. They're more easily preyed upon. And and they're sometimes schooled deeper, and you'll get the game fish like the walleyes and even the smallmouth will be down below them. And it takes a, a different kind of presentation because just matching that bait sometimes, you just get lost in the shuffle. But a spoon or a jigging wrap makes you stand out. Tell people exactly what's involved in fishing a jigging wrap and kind of how you go about it. Well, with a jigging wrap, like you said, mo- a lot of our shad-based lakes – Um, have those fish that really school up the bait and so as the temperature drops or in lakes that have wipers or white bass underneath those schools that are boiling there's often you know crippled uh, minnows falling to the bottom so the way i like to rig my jigging rounds is i i run a, a braided main line to a swivel and then i run a fluorocarbon leader of about uh two feet or so and tie direct to the jigging wrap. I think tying direct gives a lot better action than using a snap on them. And when you pitch it out, you need to make sure you let it go all the way to the bottom. And then you snap it off the bottom. And the key is to give it a good snap because that's going to cause it to dart. And it's almost like an underwater walk the dog type action. It's going to dart left and right when you give it that snap and let it kind of fall on a semi-slack line. And it needs to go all the way back down to the bottom. Very rarely do you feel the bites. Usually what's going to happen is when you lift up to snap it again, the fish is just going to be there. Now, when you talk to Al Lindner up there, he is a mono-to-mono guy. He likes 10-pound mono mainline and 10-pound mono uh, leader. He feels like he loses fewer fish doing it that way. So if you're having problems losing fish because of drag or the way you're you're reeling them in you're not fighting them properly that that added stretch of mono will help you land more fish karen's listening she'll hear that in a minute because she's on delay about how you don't lose fish on jigging wraps she had a she lost a monster last year another thing about jigging wraps brad is that um when people look at them the baits that are typically available and fished with are kind of smaller than we would think about in a crankbait that size or something like that, aren't they? They definitely are. They've got a much narrower profile to them, um, but the length is about the same. And the key with those lures is you're really wanting to trigger that reaction bite, so they're real heavy for their size. And um, that's that's one of the big keys in make sure that they're moving. And I tell you what, I've tried a lot of them, 
And I am on pro staff with Rapala, but I, I say the jigging wrap is the best one out there. If you're going to start, pick up some jigging wraps in the number seven and the number nine sizes. If you're using a medium light rod, kind of stick with the number seven. If you've got a medium rod, you can run up to that number nine and work it right. But those are the two sizes to definitely have with you if you want to go out and give it a try. Brad, before we run out of time, let's change things up. There is um, one of the waterfall seasons starting very quickly, teal season. And we have a lot of new hunters out or what people that would like to go hunting. And we talked about this a little bit with U.S. Fish and Wildlife last week, but not in depth. Uh, but the teal season is early, and it actually offers maybe new waterfall hunters a chance to kind of dip their toe in it, doesn't it? It does. Teal is a great opportunity. It's going to start next Saturday and run through the 19th, and it's an opportunity to get out there and do a little bit of duck hunting early in the season because teal really migrate a lot earlier than the than a lot of the other species, particularly the blue wings. So we're trying to get an opportunity to catch those birds as they're coming through the state the nice thing about teal is is it doesn't take big decoy spreads and it's pretty easy to get out there and do the weather's not real brutal so you know you don't need to have real heavy duty warm clothes so i tell people if you want to go out and give it a try you know teal are a great opportunity to get out there uh, I try to take most of my hen decoys, if you have a choice, because most of the ducks right now are brown ducks, just because they don't have any plumage. So target a little bit more of brown decoys um, in your spread. And then the one thing to really tell people to be careful of is, you know, there's a lot of small, you know, maybe late hatch gadwalls and spoonies that can really be deceptive and look like a teal. So if you're not 100% certain that it's a teal, let it pass by. Maybe let it land in the decoys, pull out your binoculars. And it it helps you with your your bird identification by letting those birds pass, getting a good look at them, and uh, getting an opportunity to get out there and chase them. Now, how about jump shooting opportunities for teal? Is that something we see much of in Colorado? You know, there are some jump shooting opportunities for teal. Um, what you want to find is areas that have real shallow ponds. That's the habitat that the teal really like to use this time of year. So areas like the grasslands or uh, there's some different ponds along the rivers, uh, along the plat. And what you're able to do is I like to get up to them if you can, put your binoculars on them, see if there's some birds in there, and then you can kind of work your way up and, and get up and try to jump shoot them. Now, If you don't get a shot opportunity, don't leave that pond because teal very often will just go up and maybe go out a mile or so and swing back around and come back to the pond. So I would say even if you do shoot, you know, hunker down at that pond for 10 or 15 minutes, and oftentimes you're going to get some of those birds come back and buzz you and give you an even better shot opportunity than you had when you jumped them. Now, if you're a new hunter and you're figuring, you talked a little bit about a small decoy spread, but the very minimum, if you're going to jump shoot, you probably don't need much more than your, your gun, but you need a way to retrieve the birds. And do you, do you have to do much calling when you're hunting teal from a blind? You know, a lot of duck hunters do a lot of calling for teal, but in the early season, to be honest, those birds are looking for other ducks. And so if you've got the decoys in, they're usually going to swing by, give you one good pass, and either keep on trucking or turn around and try to land in the decoys. 
the calling is not super essential with teal hunting. So it is an opportunity for, you know, hunters to get out there without having to call. Decoy-wise, I mean, a dozen decoys is plenty to get teal attention. And when you talk about retrieving, if you don't have a dog, one of the nice things about some of these shallower ponds is you can get by with oftentimes hip waders or or definitely chest waders, wade the whole thing. If you have any questions, throw a fishing rod in with a topwater lure. And um, if it gets out there too far, you can make a cast to it. But I, I've got a lot of buddies that will hunt teal in shorts. And, um, you know, it's still warm out. The highs are in the 80s. And they'll just, you know, go walk out in the water and, and wet wade to retrieve the birds. Yeah, so it's a great opportunity without having to invest a huge amount of money to get out and try waterfall. And it's coming up. What is the date of when does it start? It's like a week away, isn't it? It starts a week from today. So it starts on the 9th or yep, the 11th. That's, the 11th. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. One other quick thing I want to run by you. We're running out of time, but uh, you know, we had one caller text in and say John Martin is low and their algae is blooming in some of those lakes. And we actually had the biologist from John Martin on last week talking about some of the opportunities this time of year, you want to check where you're going, but you, we've both heard some things about the red, uh, red feathers area too. Haven't we? Yeah. Red feathers has a, has a parasite that has kind of bloomed this summer in the last few weeks. And it's called an anchor worm. And what that does is it, it really, you know, can cause some fish mortality and it really stays uh, active with high density of fish. So the state is going to be doing a few things to, uh, you know, adjust their stockings. So West and Dowdy have both been found with it. And so they're going to stop stocking West. Dowdy is supposed to still be getting fish. But for anglers that are going up there, just realize that things may be a little bit different than they've seen the last few falls. Hopefully, you know, once it gets below 50 degrees, the parasite kind of goes dormant. And hopefully, you know, they can kind of get it in check and we'll just see an effect on the lake for this fall. But it's I know it's one of those places for the people in northern Colorado. They love to get up there and get in a little bit of trout fishing. But just be aware that things have changed. And maybe instead of going to Red Feathers, the Forest Service has opened up more roads and stuff, so Long Draw and some of those areas are now open that have been closed from the fire. Those may be places that would be worth checking out because they didn't receive pressure all summer. All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, we will talk to you again soon, Brad. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Terry. Brad Peterson. He's just a great resource. We're going to take a time out. Then we're going to come back and take you to a state park and lake right next to the metro area where there's lots of activities on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Bar Lake, one of our favorite contributors from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Michelle Kiebert. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm up in northern Minnesota. It's a beautiful day here. What's it like at Bar Lake? Well, you know, it's a beautiful day out. It's not as hot, and it's going to be a great day to be outside. But there's nothing to do at Bar Lake. Why would anybody come there? 
Oh, Terry, Terry. <laughs> no, we know it's one of our favorite places. Let's start with a little conditions update. Bar Lake is a an irrigation reservoir, and you do get drawn down. What's your water levels of, as of right now? You know, we probably have another couple days for the boat ramp. You know, our water levels are getting a little bit low. But even when we close the boat ramp, we'll still be able to um, have hand launch. So you can still bring out your canoes, your kayaks, and your paddleboards. And I want to talk about fishing from some of those and from shore a little later on. But got some other things going on, too. And, you know, we're in dove season right now. We haven't had that big cold weather that pushes the doves out. Of course, we get some more waves that come through. But I don't think a lot of people know you have a dove hunting opportunity right at Bar Lake, don't you? We do. You know, this is our sixth year for having dove hunting. And this um, season, for the month of September, we're hunting just on Sundays. But, you know, we we had opening day. It was great. Um, we have seven stations. You have to make a reservation. Um, but they were all full, and the hunters were successful, and it, it was a great time. Yeah, and it's a lot. It's a great way to get a, a youth into hunting, too, because shooting, hunting from those stations adds a safety factor, and then the doves give you pretty good practice. Or they get a little difficult to hit on the wing sometimes, but they can be just a lot of fun. And they're great table fare, too. They're great, they're great prepared for the table. So it's another opportunity. But you have a lot of other things, other things going on at Bar Lake, too. Uh, the fall birding, I would think, is in getting into full swing pretty soon. Yeah, the fall migration. So next weekend, the 11th, we have our fall birding festival. And it's from 7 a.m. to 12. And on that day, you can visit our banding station. We'll have live raptors. We'll have bird walks, a face painter, just a really great family event. So um, it's sponsored by the Bird Conservancy of the Rockies. So if you want to go to the banding station, make sure you make a reservation. But if you've never been to our banding station, it's a great opportunity to see birds up close. The biologists will have the birds. They catch them in the mist nets, and then they bring them back up to the deck and they measure them, they weigh them, and then they band them. It's just a great experience. And what what day is this now? It is on Saturday, September 11th, from nine or 7 a.m. to 12, and it's also our Raptor Run, which is our uh, fundraiser for our friends of our lake. So you can still register to get in on the run and then participate in the Fall Birding Festival. And I imagine there's information on all of that. On, online at your website or your Facebook page, right? It is, yeah. Facebook or our website, it's all on there. And then it's also, aren't we coming up on National Public Lands Day? Yeah, that's September 25th, and we're super excited this year to partner with South Metro Pheasants Forever. We're going to be planting in our pollinator plot. We're going to be doing shoreline cleanup, and we're putting in a special mural that some kids are going to help us paint that's going to have pictures of kids and butterflies and flowers. It's just going to be a great community event. But really is. And you just always have so much going on there. In addition, you have the archery range. And there's just, what a great place to just come and have a picnic. And you've got trails there. And, of course, there's always birds and raptors there to see. It's a, just a tremendous place. And tell people where it's located. I don't think some people new to the area realize how close to the metro area you are. Yeah, it is. It's just 25 minutes east of Denver, so we're right off of I-76 in Bromley Lane in Brighton. So you can come out to Bar Lake. We have lots of other great places in Brighton to visit, like Berry Patch Farms or Sunflower Ranch. So you can make a day of it and come out to Brighton. Now, I want to get back to the fishing because 
not that long ago, they were worried about drawing down and losing the fish. They actually lifted some limits. And I think a lot of people came into this year wondering how the fishing would be at Bar Lake. But it's actually been quite good, hasn't it? It has. You know, we've seen big walleye, big wiper coming out. The perch are starting to bite. So the one thing, too, is that, you know, we're not having the fish salvage this year. Our levels are at normal. So that's just something to know that, you know, you need to make sure to know your limits. Um, but a lot of people thought that the fishing would be slow, but it wasn't. You know, the big fish ate the little fish, and we have a good fish population. And now you're getting to the time of the year when soon they'll start putting more trout in there too, won't they? Yeah, they will. And so that'll add too. And now we're going to talk about the shore fishing in a minute because you get a lot of shoreline access there. But you mentioned kayaks and hand launch boats because even during – when your ramp is open, you have a 10-horsepower limit on boats, so you're not going to put up with a lot of big wakes. So it's a good a good park to come out and even just to paddle around for fun or exercise, but it's also a great one to fish from hand-launch boats because you can get around without having to worry about you know the, the boat wakes and things, and that'll go on until you freeze up, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll have hand-launch for the rest of the, the fall, and, you know, 5280 Paddle Sports is our vendor, and they'll be back actually today to start renting um, canoes, paddle boards, and kayaks on Saturday and Sundays. And didn't, I don't know if you still do, but in the past you used to have kind of a course out in the lake for kayaks. Do you still do that? Yeah, we have a, what's called our water trail. So you can download the app from Agents of Discovery, and then the water trail will take you, and it's kind of like on GPS points, and then it'll tell you stuff about the park. It's just another great um, way to explore the park, but on the water. Well, and you mentioned the fishing, and from sh- from the boats, it's been extremely good. But now with the water drawn down, you actually expose more shoreline. And now until freeze up, if you do get ice fishing, which sometimes you do, um, you should have pretty good shore fishing, I would think. Yeah, we you know it's the fall is the best time of year to come in and shore fish, and then if we get a cold winter, we'll be able to have ice fishing. All right, Michelle, there's just so much going on. People, you just need to follow Bar Lake, go to their Facebook page, go to their website. Michelle always has things going on there, and just a close to the metro area, fun place to go. Thank you, Michelle. All right, have a good day. You bet. Michelle Siebert from Bar Lake. What a great, great opportunity. It's day use only, but just a great opportunity to get out. It's so family-oriented. There's something for everybody to do there. And, you know, we're going to get some beautiful fall days. You need to spend one at Bar Lake. I'll give you a tip. Go during the week when it's not so busy. We're going to take a time out. we come back, we're going to talk about how we get money to put some of these facilities in place, like new fishing places, new shooting ranges, and, and how Parks and Wildlife has worked to increase your access. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and you've never gone into a Jack's Outdoor Gear, stop in one near you and just check it out. You'll be pleasantly surprised how well they can handle all your outdoor needs. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jim Guthrie. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on, and thanks for what you do also. You know... It's been an unprecedented couple of years. Uh, we've had 
up and down growth in the outdoor industry for a while. And then COVID came. And, uh, you know, Jim, I used to say I spent my whole career trying to get people to go outdoors. I just didn't know they'd all go on the same weekend. But, <laughs> but, but it's, great. It's, it's great that people are getting out. But we, we also put the stress on our resources, and we need more resources. And two areas where resources have really been stretched a little bit have been fishing and shooting, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they're yeah, <laughs> they're both getting overloaded. Yeah, and you know the, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about both. Uh, let's start with shooting. When I was younger, growing up, which was a million years ago, it was pretty easy to find a remote place you could up against the bank where you could do some shooting and you could make sure you cleaned up and everything. But you could take advantage of that. With but with the outdoors being more crowded, with people doing more activities with more restrictions, shooting enthusiasts find it more difficult to find a place to practice, don't they? Yeah, and that's really a problem on uh, the public lands, kind of in the front range area. Um, You know, that's the most accessible for a lot of people from the Denver metro area and, you know, Colorado Springs and Fort Collins. Uh, But it's just between the number of hikers that are up there and the number of shooters increasing, it's just it's a problem. You know, you run into now, conflicts. Now you manage a couple different programs and I'm involved in some of them and that's getting grant money to expand our resources. And this money, uh, cause a lot of people think if you're going to put in a new shooting range, if you're going to expand fishing opportunities, that it comes out of the general fund and we're taking money from somewhere else or we're not spending, but this money doesn't magically appear somewhere. There's a process, and it's the hunters and fishermen that actually pay for this, isn't it? Yeah, and you're right that a lot of people think, oh, it's a government pro or a state-run program. It must be general tax revenue, and it's not at all. There's zero tax revenue in it in the two programs uh, we run for shooting ranges and uh, fishing programs. It all comes from anglers, uh, recreational shooters, uh, boaters, and uh, now uh, we've got a new program started about three years ago uh, where you can buy a specialty license plate, and when you renew your registration, uh, it's 25 bucks. Two of that goes to the ca- county clerks for processing. The remaining 23 comes to the uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife for these two programs. Um, 100% goes to the programs and projects. Um, so it's a, that's really been a great, um, you know, boost, uh, for the programs the last couple of years. Uh, right now, I think we're averaging, we're not averaging, we're receiving with all the renewals about $475,000 a year. So that's, that's a lot of funding, which really helps, um, uh, expand, let us do more projects, uh, both for angling and for recreational shooting. Now, the remainder of that money comes every time you purchase fishing gear or a, a gun or ammunition, or there's another program that's outboard motor tax, gasoline, um, all those things. There's an excise tax that when people purchase items for those uses, goes into a national fund, and that gets divvied up to the states according to, I guess, according to how much is spent in your area and your population. Is that right? It's based on land area. Uh, so the bigger the state, 
uh, more you get on that part of the formula. And then also the number of uh, fishing licenses or fishing license buyers in your state and hunting license buyers. Um, so those are those are the two factors. Um, and yeah, that those that 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 funding source provided the bulk of the money. It still does. Uh, used to provide a hundred percent of the money, uh, but now with license plates, it's um, uh, that that's providing uh, some additional funding as well. Now I've been involved off and on in these programs as part of the panels that kind of review the projects for years. I used to do the outboard motor tax. Now I'm involved in fishing is fun. And the amount of money we get to distribute or at least recommend for these projects, then it has to get official approval, is fairly substantial. So some really great product um, projects. Well, let's take shooting first. What are a couple of projects that maybe people are aware of or should be aware of? Um, this last round, we awarded $1.6 million uh, towards shooting range projects. That's a huge jump. It won't stay up there. There were some technical reasons why we were able to do that. Um, but uh, 1.6, the two really big, uh, to me, I, I love these projects. Uh, one is in Clear Creek, uh, just west of Idaho Springs. There's a shooting range. The county is going to turn it into a public range. Um, they are planning to start work in the spring. Uh, we awarded that $850,000. Uh, that's going to be a, a major project there. And it's nice because it's an existing range, and they're going to improve it, and that makes it a lot easier to do that work. Um, the other range is uh, adjacent to the Boulder Rifle Club, so just north of Boulder. And that one in total, uh, this year we awarded them uh, $375,000. And based on some earlier funding, uh, they have close to a million dollars. Uh, and that's towards a project, once it's fully built out, will cost around four to five million. Uh, so these are big projects. They're all gonna be open to the public. Uh, there'll be fees associated with it, um, you know, $8, $10 to use it, uh, but tremendous projects and really needed in the Denver metro area. These are these are great opportunities. and. I, I was real happy to be part of the program that kind of made makes these upgrades and, and new construction, in the case of Boulder, uh, possible. Now, the other side of it, the fishing side, which I was involved in this year again on the panel, is giving to expand our fishing resources, which a lot of people went fishing that hadn't been fishing for a long time or never went fishing. And we want to retain those people, but to retain them in fishing, to let them grow in the sport and have everybody have fun. Colorado needs more resources, and the fishing is fun. I think we had about $600,000 this year. Am I right, Jim? I'm going off the top of my head there. And yep. tell me a couple of projects that we were able to do, or ones that you really stood out to you in the fishing side. Uh, one is up in Windsor. Uh, it's called the Kiger Open Space. Uh, there's a lake there. It was just there. <laughs> it wasn't really improved for for fishing uh i'm not even positive it was open uh for public fishing and they're going to be putting in a fishing pier uh some belly boat access um and regular i, I think just non-powered um not non-motorized boat access and then other angling access points so that's that's a great one you, you love new waters it's just you know that expands things um 
Another one is down in Alamosa. It's called Blanca Vista Pond. It's just north of Alamosa, really on the outskirts. Um, they opened that up. Alamosa opened that up with some funding we gave them. Um, about two years ago, they're coming back and uh, asked for, and we awarded some funding to dredge. Uh, so deep in the pond, that'll help with overwinter survival of the fish uh, and just make things better all around. So uh, they've uh, talked to the parks manager down there. Uh, they have been getting tremendous turnout uh, among kids uh, using that pond. So. Uh, that's that's a great project. Um, the last one I'd flag um, there we did eight, um, but I I like these the best um, is uh, just downstream from uh, Stagecoach Reservoir near Steamboat. Uh, we uh, are working. Uh, we awarded funding for some habitat work on the Yampa on some land that BLM just bought and uh, working with the local uh, charitable trust um, for habitat improvement and better angler access uh, to the uh, Yampa River just down there. And you know the tailwaters are incredibly popular. This will be hopefully provide, well, hopefully provide some relief. It'll certainly be a new angling opportunity there. So uh, they're gonna start work, I believe this fall on it. Um, and if that, happens if that timetable holds up um you know next spring would be great there if not it'll be next fall there do the work all right we are out of time jim but if people are out there listening and they have an organization or uh, a municipality or a government entity or whatever it is and they'd like to see if they could access some of this funds where do they go how do they do that um i would talk to your parks department and if you see a pond that you think could be improved or uh, that would be the most likely um, and talk to them about uh, putting in some angling improvements and then the pond or the uh, parks department and the town they typically apply to us uh, and so it's working through them and talking to them the parks people I'm sure will be responsive uh, they and one other example might be when they work on master plans for new parks or open space Get involved with that. I know it sounds, uh, I don't know, technical or boring, uh, but that's that's when they pl chart things out and get in there on the ground floor. Let's get some angling going on in these places. All right, Jim, we're out of time, but great programs. I'm proud to be involved in them and the money we give to expand the resources and, and, and help everybody enjoy the outdoors. Thanks for com coming on and sharing with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. You bet. Jim Guthrie, great, and just great resources we have available to us. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk fishing because there is a ton of good fishing going on in Colorado right now. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Discount Fishing Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, we've been talking off and on fishing and hunting over the first part of the show, and we will again in the second part. But we're getting to a point now where the weather's starting to change. Even though the days are fairly warm, the nights are 
longer and cooler. The water temperatures are coming down. You can feel some of the hunting seasons are starting. Fall is in the air, and the fishing, I always look forward to it because the fishing tends to really start to take off now. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it for the last number of weeks where there's just an absolute giant bloom of bait fish on our front range in eastern Plains Lakes, especially with some of the higher water that we had with the good rainfall. Uh, There was, in some cases, multiple hatches of shad. And when there's that many shad out there, it certainly can can make it challenging. But when the, the water temperature starts falling, not seeing the die-off yet, but you're getting close. And, and when that, that cold snap first comes, that can be a great time to be out on the water when you have some wounded bait fish from that uh, initial shock of that cold. And those fish are going to be, uh, the game fish will be waiting underneath those. And, and fishing with a variety of reactionary baits can be some of your more productive fishing of the year, particularly when it comes to large fish. Now, as we move into that, we're not quite there yet, but we're starting to see some signs. What are you seeing out on the lakes right now? So still just a ton of bait fish on the Front Range lakes. Chatfield uh, has been interesting where there's some fish that are out suspended and chasing the bait, but then there's also fish that are tight to structure. Uh, the, the walleyes that are tight to structure, however, are certainly going to be reactionary as far as really the only way you're going to be catching them. You're not going to be doing well on any of your standard uh, leech or crawler harness type rigs. Uh, even smaller jigs like a twitch tail minnow or a curly tail may not do the job. So things like jigging wraps and blade baits can certainly be effective. One quite interesting thing at Chatfield lately is that a lot of the panfish are really congregating in the same areas that you're finding those walleyes. So you'll see the walleyes come through on your electronics and they have a lot harder mark and you'll have uh, a bit thinner and wispier marks, but much larger than shad coming through. And uh, those bluegills have been very cooperative on small ice jigs, little rat finkies and ratzos. I've done well on small cast masters, one twelfth ounce and silver vertical jigging. And then working a small pinch of nightcrawler has been catching the perch and the bluegills as well. So that's kind of been a secondary element, and especially if uh, you have uh, a boat and want to take a kid out. That could be some good high-action fishing uh, out on some of those roadbeds and maybe pick a walleye up uh, here or there as well. Uh, what kind of depths are you finding those panfish at? So those are all sitting on the roadbeds and the, and the old submerged bridge out there. So that's going to be in the neighborhood of at the highest level, about 12 feet, and moving out to about 22 feet. Uh, just the, the whole key element is that you're up on top of structure. Now, south of the roadbed, there's a whole bunch of humps down there as well. And sporadically, I've been finding both walleyes and the panfish on those humps uh, along with the roadbed area. All right. This is, I love panfish, a great opportunity. And, of course, as the water cools in these reservoirs, almost all of them have a good trout population that will get supplemented as the water gets cold. And both from shore and a boat, the trout fishing can really turn on in a lot of these lakes also. Yes, uh, we had a good trout bite going for a little bit of Chatfield. Uh, it hasn't been quite as good, but I also will mention that a lot of my guide trips have been more focusing on the warm water species, so I haven't been targeting them a whole lot. But the nice thing about places like Aurora and Chatfield is that the, the extra depth allows good holdover fish, uh, even for multiple years at times. So you'll have routinely fish uh, in the low 20s, if not mid-20 inch range, uh, with especially Aurora, with good, fat, healthy fish that can rival the size of some of your mountain lakes like South Park or up at the Delaney Buttes. Speaking of the mountain lakes, are you hearing much up there? I would think the trout bite should be going full swing up there. 
Yes, the, the 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 Delaney Buttes have been going pretty darn well lately. I've uh, been hearing the tube jig action has been good um, at both North and South Delaney, uh, with the regulation allowing for larger scented baits like gulp. Uh, a gulp minnow is always a good choice up there. But if you're fly fishing, this is a good time of year to start thinking about throwing some streamers for those brown trout. You can get some good aggressive fish, particularly as you start getting into these cooler nights, and you'll have some fish starting to think about spawning. But then South Park has also been good. The weed growth at Spinney has not been quite as aggressive as in previous years with uh, the lower water earlier in the season. So a lot of those fish are set up on a little bit of those deeper weed edges from what I've been hearing. And vertical jigging tube jigs has been good. And then trolling uh, Tasmanian devils and jointed rapala lures and brown trout colors have been also a good ticket. All right. Any fly fishing updates you've heard of? So I have not heard much as far as spawning runs lately, but we're still in the swing of the last bit of late summer, good, solid, dry dropper fishing. So we're still, especially on some of the lower elevations, uh, like on the Eagle or on the the Colorado a little bit there where you're not dealing with the ultra high elevation um, type elevations, you are still seeing great hopper fishing. So uh, dry dropper fishing has been very good. Still hearing of PMD hatches down on the Eagle as well. Uh, the South Platte, most folks that have been on Decker's area have been doing better with uh, smaller patterns, so still some midge patterns like uh, some of your zebras, and then WD-40s have been good. Uh, tongue stones on a smaller size have been a good bet, and then still some PMDs here. They're like a, a solitude split case PMD on a smaller size, and an 18 or a 20 has been a good fly to be putting behind one of those a uh, little bit larger micro stones. I want to circle back. You talked about, we've been talking, everybody's been talking about spoons, jigging wraps, blade baits, that they're going to get better and better as we get into the fall. We're seeing already bites at places like Glendo and McConaughey. We're starting to see some out in the Eastern Plains. We'll see more of that. You talked about chat. When we, I'm kind of going through this with everybody because there's so many ways. When you rig a jigging wrap or a, bla, or a blade bait, tell us how you rig it up. So as far as a blade bait is concerned, I'm running... 10-pound braided line to a 10-pound fluorocarbon leader and then tying to a snap to allow for that vibration to work well on that blade bait. Now, on a jigging wrap, it's going to vary depending upon how I'm fishing them. If I'm casting a jigging wrap, I'm utilizing that same 10-pound to the same 10-pound same braid to the same 10-pound fluorocarbon leader, and then you can utilize a snap. A lot of times I'll tie straight to it. Um, I don't find that there's much of a difference there, but I'm the, the, the key difference is if I'm sitting there vertical jigging um, for a long, pronounced period of time, I will, instead of tying a, my leader on with a double uni knot, I will do a shorter leader and put it on with a micro swivel to pre- uh, prevent any type of line twist with repeated vertical jigging actions. But if I'm casting, the line twist is not nearly as much of, the, uh, of an option. And then as far as rods are concerned, I really like a 6-foot, 8-inch, medium, extra fast rod from St. Croix. They make that, that size of rod in their entire lineup, and that rod has been my best rod for both jigging wraps and those smaller blade bits that i like you and brad peterson both kind of agree on how to rig those and you uh, both fish them extensively so i value your opinions one last question before i let you go have you been out dove hunting and what's it been like so the birds are out there right now uh we've been seeing great stuff along the plat uh, I did make a run down to southeast Colorado as well, and there were a lot of birds uh, down around the John Martin area. Uh, especially with some of this extended forecast, without too many uh, cold nights, I think that we may have a little bit longer season than we had last year, uh, at least. 
So it looks like it's a good opportunity to get out, get sharp, get ready for pheasants. But the doves themselves are great table fare. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love eating doves. Uh, and seeing them is also not too bad either. So this is a, a good year to get out there. And there's, like I said, it's good, good numbers of birds. So if you haven't uh, had an opportunity to get out yet, that might be a, a good thing to do here in the near future. All right, my friend. Thank you for that update. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. You bet. Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. Um, we're going to take a time out. Before we do, I am broadcasting from northern Minnesota. I keep looking over my right shoulder because there's a great big doe that comes over here to eat all the time and want to see if she'll pay us a visit on the show this morning. Been doing a lot of fishing up here. We'll talk about that later in the show if you want to make a trip up. But a lot of techniques we used up here you can use right down there in Colorado. And we've got a lot more hunting and shooting to talk. Plus, we have a dog training segment coming up in the next hour. So we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and we're going to talk hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan.